Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast. This is the podcast where we bring you two thematically linked films, one mainstream, one cult, and talk about them both. This is part two of our double pairing, which we call Diversity Super Hires, because it both deal with 90s films uh, with superheroes who happen to be of color. And last week we talked about 1997's DC film Steel, starring Shaquille O'Neal with villain Judd Nelson. A villain in the film, not a villain in real life. Ha. And today we're talking about 1994's film Mantis, that is uh, a an acronym m period a period n period t period i period s period now this movie is criminally underknown it is a tv movie uh it is a tv movie that was made in hopes of having a series it did have a series on fox for two seasons uh sci-fi channel then ran it later there's lots to talk about behind the scenes and on screen with this one. Um, first, it's co-written and co-created and uh, produced by cult icon Sam Raimi. I mean, in the U.S., I don't think I could name a more cult film icon than Sam Raimi. Uh, of course, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, um, one of my favorites, Evil Dead 2, uh, Drag Me to Hell, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Quick and the Dead. I could just keep going on and on with his epic film catalog. It's really impossible, I think, to watch a Sam Raimi film and not be engaged through the whole thing. Even if you come out thinking, mm, that wasn't my favorite, or I didn't like that, as many people did with Spider-Man 3, you'll watch the whole thing. It's not a problem. Engagement is not his weakness. So he uh, worked on this with co-writer Sam Hamm. And the first thing that people watching this movie, and the reason I say it's criminally underknown, is because you actually cannot get this film in the United States currently. Um, it is... It is just not available. Uh, we got our copy, as many do, from uh, Italy. Uh, Mantide is, is what it's titled in Italian. Uh, it does have English or English audio, and you can turn the subtitles off, so that's fine. So pick up a copy that way. Hopefully, this film with the series will be released at some point here again um, on Blu-ray or 4K in the U.S. I think it deserves it. I will say a lot of people get confused because the they think this is the pilot film. It is technically the pilot film, but there is another 
pilot film, which serves as the first episode of the running series, which is different, has the same lead, same general concept. Um, and it is part of any sort of out of print or foreign um, series collection on DVD that you will find. But this is a separate film from the series. And it's, we got a lot to talk about. So Welcome. I'm just gonna give oh, you the classic. general rundown. <laughs> it is a story about people of color, black people, in uh, the inner city, people laughing at me. I know who. Uh, they... No, we just heard the we just heard the music. That's why we're laughing and giving oh, really? you a thumbs up. The, yeah, the music popped up again. Our, our I, intro music popped up. It's funny, guys, because those listening, I I use these super fancy uh, ear pods that I was bought that are, are some sort of Sony, and they're awesome. But every time I have to adjust them, they have sensors. And so it thinks I want it to do something. And so it's constantly telling me random things in my ear while I'm talking. And I'm sure I hit it and started the music somewhere. Uh, it is off now, correct? Yeah. Okay, great. No more music. Okay. It and just was like, it was just the intro music. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I hope you listeners enjoy hearing it again. I worked hard on that. <laughs> so Mantis. Uh, it is about a bunch of people trying to figure out who the new vigilante in the city who goes by Mantis and leaves little metal Mantis figurines at the scenes of his crime stoppages, uh, who he is. And he wears the spooky suit, the spooky hat that actually looks kind of like a Mantis head, uh, not a hat, like a metal science fiction-y thing. And uh, this news reporter, actually, she's, she's, on, she's a, a, a coroner an autopsy specialist of some type. Anyway, she uh, she goes on a quest to figure out who it is. And in the backdrop, it is an election, a mayoral election uh, in this in this city. And there's the pro, uh, pro-law, Richard Nixon-esque, um, hard-ass white guy with silver hair running that everybody seems to love except for several black people who see through his rhetoric as just an attempt to um, be, you know, to sideline people of color and put them in prison, which is pretty traditional uh, here in the States. And then another candidate who is a black man who essentially every time he's asked a question about it says, I don't know why we're talking about gang violence when we should also be talking about jobs and healthcare and all of these other things. Interesting, interesting concept, right? So that's happening in the background. And then uh, both the people trying to find out who Mantis is and Mantis end up finding out that there's this, this plot by the uh, white candidate to fake an assassination, trigger a gang war and start a riot so they can bring in a specialty special forces task force they, they've developed to basically beat the shit out of everyone in the city that isn't white. And it is... I mean, this is that's SWAT, right? In Los Angeles, SWAT was brought in because of the uh, the drug problem and the gang problem, and they are essentially a force to. I mean, we can you can argue, but to hit brown people is kind of what this whole thing comes down to. This film was made in 1993 and released in 1984. That's only three years after the Rodney King beat. Uh, two two or three years after the Rodney King beating, which triggered riots in uh, Los Angeles and Southern California. I lived there at the time. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was a big deal. And this movie actually goes so far where Steele really tried to do its best to just poke at racism, like say, hey, this exists. 
Um, but but if you wanted to ignore it, you could totally ignore it and watch the movie. This film kind of forces you to look at it in ways that I actually found disturbingly realistic at times um, because it is a superhero movie with a guy in a suit and gadgets and underwater layers, yet it also has a, a person of color shot by police crying for help and a police officer 10 feet away, not even looking at him. Like it's 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 got some real um meat on its bones for social commentary uh, and it's really a, a strong product of its time which led to many issues with its series production after this release so anyway diving right in i'm gonna start i didn't give it a lot on the plot because it is a pilot to start a series right they they break up this this attempted uh, mayoral fix uh, and right when Mantis is going to get some answers from the candidate, he's shot by someone from the special forces and he doesn't catch him. So he realizes it's a bigger conspiracy than he was aware of. But that's where the film ends because it was trying to tease for a series. Mandy, what were your expectations going into Mantis and what did you feel after watching? I mean, I think, I guess I thought it would be closer to Steel than it really ends up being. Uh, I from just some basic Googling, I knew that there was a Mantis TV series, but we hadn't talked about any of this as far as it being like the pilot for a series. So I was kind of surprised at how it ended. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, and I kind of put it together. I'm like, well, I guess that's what it was. Um, it was like, okay. And also like the made for TV thing now makes a lot more sense with like how it was paced and production value and everything. Uh, there was yeah it's again. definitely a but yeah like it it's definitely a okay. 90s tv the the effects yeah, on occasion absolutely. are the green yeah. screen is green it's very green so yeah i don't know in general it was like pretty okay um i liked how they kind of do the fake out with like who you think can we call him mantis the the superhero and they kind of fake you out with like who he is in real life um mm. so that was kind of cool as far as plot goes they didn't really fool me that much but like it was nice that <laughs> yeah. they tried um yeah overall, so anyway i didn't know anything about it going in i my expectation expectation would it be closer to steel as far as like production value and approach to a superhero movie at that time like that time period and i was pleasantly surprised with what we got it being like a little bit different um but i was like not as into it as i was for steel Fair. So uh, we'll, we'll do Tad. Tad, what did you think about Mantis? What were you expecting and what did you get? I actually thought it was going to be cheesier than what I actually got now. To be fair, the superhero segments are really cheesy and obviously remind me of Darkman because why Dark wouldn't Man, it? Yep. Very like the opening scene. Yep. I was like, wow, this is straight Darkman. Yes. Um, and Darkman, of course, if you don't know, being Liam Neeson and Sam Raimi's 1990 superhero film, which which got uh, several sequels. I watched all the Darkmans when I was in high school just because they were on TV. And uh, I don't remember much about them, but I do remember enjoying them. Uh, we'll have to revisit them. TNT loved running Darkman. Yes, they absolutely yeah. did. Um, but anyway, I was, I was actually surprised because for a film that's sort of supposed to be a superhero movie, it kind of spent a lot more time being like a uh, social commentary, political intrigue sort of thing, which I really appreciate. The dialogue was fantastic. It was very well written. The characters are great. Like a lot of good acting. 
And I was actually really intrigued with the idea of essentially setting up the main character as like, uh, let's let's take Thomas Sowell, cripple mm. him, and mm. and uh, make him into a superhero. And I was like, that's actually a really interesting idea. Yeah, I, it's I, it's I fascinating it. because here's so Mantis ends up being uh, the 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 woman who is one of the main characters it's fascinating because the movie does not follow the hero at the beginning the movie actually follows everyone else and it's sort of kind of a whodunit kind of thing and then when we are revealed to the mantises then the mantis becomes the main character um so it's 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 a very high concept way that they portrayed it so you get sort of this almost like a cop drama with the detective work in the beginning even though the main characters aren't police and then we get um sort of the backstory and the the lots of hints at troubles and background of the mantis character and the mantis is played by carl lumbly who his voice is so epic he has the coolest deep most amazing voice now he is um he's done a lot of great work he was mantis in the series most people probably now would real would recognize that oh wait a minute he was isaiah in falcon and the winter soldier he was the um, the prototype Captain America who got sidelined by um, racist uh, American politics in the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. You know, that makes a lot more sense because when I was watching this, I got that whole Falcon and Winter Soldier vibe where it really wasn't really a superhero show. It right. was at times, Very much. but most of the time it wasn't. I mean, and plus that that uh, I like the the idea of Mantis. It's like a combination of Batman and Black Panther. I mean, the suit is very Black Panther. Yes, like the way it's, it's very designed. much so. Well, and it's interesting. So what I first thought when I saw because I'd watched it when it aired many years ago, and then uh, when we finally got this Italian copy into the studio, and I watched it, the first opening scene, as you said, very dark man. What I thought is, oh. Batman, Tim Burton's Batman. And it makes total sense because although of course Tim Burton had nothing to do with this, it is co-written by Sam Hamm who wrote along with Tim Burton 1989's Batman. So it is, you know, he's his his fingerprints are on this. Um <clears throat> Carl Lumbly plays uh Mantis who actually is a um very skilled uh I guess I don't know if he's a neurosurgeon. He's, he's a neurologist. He's some sort of um, uh, medical scientist and he's in a wheelchair. He's wheelchair bound. And at Mantis, the actual costume he uses allows him to walk. And it doesn't even allow him to walk particularly well, um, but compared to others, but it, it gives him, uh, he has abilities. Uh, he, he shoots these darts that paralyze um, enemies and sort of, it's sort of Mantis theme because it, it was sometimes thought that mantis uh the the insect could uh paralyze or hypnotize their foes they they don't actually paralyze them but some of them do move in a way that seems to hypnotize some insects um and he has this thing where he can his his eye pieces do a trippy um psychedelic experience eye show and uh and that combined with some gas that he sprays out of a wrist gauntlet can make people highly susceptible to his desires like having them deliver messages or telling him what he wants to know so very and of course his main weapon they're all non-lethal his main weapon is these are these darts that puts this some sort of neurotoxin that is temporary but literally holds people rigid so like 
it gives kind of a cool low budget easy to do effect where like police will walk into a scene and all the villains are like holding their guns like they're gonna shoot or holding money and like but they're frozen stock still it's a smart idea because it was like clearly they're expecting this is going to be a tv show we can't do a huge amount of big effects um and like I said, there are green screen. I think it's fun green screen, but it's cheap green screen in many ways. Uh, Mantis has this cool car that sort of blend. It looks like a normal car. Like it's very Men in Black before Men in Black. Like it it loses its it become it loses its like camouflage and then like becomes a flying hover car. Uh, and at one point, we realize he has like this base underwater off the coast, which is crazy. Uh, I was happy that it wasn't afraid to go full comic book, but as you said, Tad, and and you hinted at Mandy, it's really, it's really about the characters and about the plot. Uh, Mantis, you're just like, hey, yeah, this is him. This he exists. Just accept that, and now we'll move on to the rest. Uh, it's interesting because there are two gangs who are constantly referenced in this, the 10Ks and what are the other ones? Are they the Blood Dragons? Is that, am I remembering that? Something along those lines. Um, I, something Dragons, I think it's Blood Dragons. Apologize for not writing that down properly. But uh, they, they actually have a truce. And the, the evil political candidate's goal is to uh, pay poor people uh, to to pretend to be these gang members to break the truce so that there's a gang war which will get voters on his side to put in this special task to elect him and then put in this highly violent special task force uh, to bring the gangs to their knees. And so it's interesting that the gangs are not, I mean, they're not particularly vilified. They're certainly not treated as heroes. They're treated as a problem, but rather than being like the you know beat up the gangs it's actually like no use your heads like mantis gives this speech which is a little potentially problematic in a way these days because it's sort of that it's what bill cosby was saying you know to when he addressed young black men before uh, everybody was made aware of the fact that he was a, a ridiculous rapist um is sort of the um don't you know, stop using violence, stop making your community shitty, use your heads. And it's interesting because that can feel a little questionable coming from, from two white screenwriters. Um, but it's interesting because it, it, it clearly points and the whole film's plot does this to the idea of people are trying to use you for their ends. Do not be a puppet. Um, and it's really upsetting in a way to watch this and be like, oh my God, like some of the things here parallel our current political situation more than they have in decades. I mean, the insurrection, quote unquote, you know, these, these idiotic Trump supporters, and you know, I'm very outspoken politically on this podcast. So if that upsets you, skip to the next episode or, or find, find another podcast. There's plenty of obnoxious white podcasters out there spouting pro-Trump rhetoric, but uh it, you know, the idea of um, people in government using hate and fear as their rhetoric to incite people to their cause and then sort of later being like, well, I can't control them. And you're like, yeah, because you made a rabid dog, right? Um, that's That's this whole idea is that Black people in the city in this film are being used uh, at their detriment by white figureheads and people with real power and money and i love that that is where steel sort of just kind of hints at that and doesn't really say it outright mantis is very clear about it 
Uh, I mean, right from the get go, like the 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 black newscaster is like bantering with his white editor uh, about political candidates and he calls him a racist at one point and it's, it's sort of very real world because they still are working together like it's it's just i'm like wow this is uncomfortably realistic um and i want to say one of the big differences too in portrayal while sam raimi and sam ham are, are white uh or at least not um black and wrote this script featuring black people they did bring on uh, Eric Lanaville, who, and again, I could be butchering his last name, but is a, is a very experienced actor and director who is Black. And he is, uh, I think, a, a great choice for this. He directed, um, he actually, he's still working. He directed uh, episodes of Lost. Uh, he's directed almost every single TV show you could probably think of, not even joking. I mean, every everything. Uh, it's really, really crazy. And he directed this. So I feel like it does lend a very different experience. It is not made from a Hollywood white person's view of what making a movie for black people would be. You know, the, uh, the language they use is much more realistic. It's not, um, you know, uh, ridiculous ebonics that that you see in in maybe some of 90s comics or 90s films like we saw in steel it's just much more realistic and it's nice too as tad said to get to the point i loved that mantis the carl lumby's character is a conservative right-wing person because he's a he's wealthy his he literally they had a show a clip of an interview with him from before he was he was crippled where he's like hey um you know like i got out of the inner city my dad got out of the inner city everybody else can too so we don't need affirmative action um and you're just like wow like this is ugly and then he gets shot as he's trying to rescue a young person who is injured during a riot which is very clearly uh representative of the rodney king uh riots uh, after which listeners if, if you're younger you don't know the rodney king riots rodney king was arrested for driving while intoxicated and viciously beat by police uh and uh, uh it's it sparked riots in los angeles and other places that raged for quite a long time and they were a big deal and because it, it, was it was one of the first things that was caught on video that's and right. And everybody saw it. And it was, you know, now it's more common that we see those. Sadly, things, we see things like that every you know, week. You but know, um, at that time, it, you know, it was very like breaking kind of like to actually see a video of it. Yeah. And we see the same things happening over like with George Floyd. It was the same thing. They're like, you had people like, well, he he was on drugs. He was drunk. He was belligerent. You know, like all of these things like, well, it's OK that this happened or like this person's not an angel. And what it really comes down to and they sort of hint at in this, it doesn't matter if you're an angel or you have crimes against, you know, or, or warrants, whatever you deserve to be safe. Uh, yeah, and, and you're you know, a person. like person. Right. Personal, you know, human rights person. are real. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and this was very, and I mean, again, I was stunned watching this again after many years not seeing it, how realistic they played this, the footage of his character being shot in the back and crying for help. And we get a, a, this interesting mirror of it when he's, he's being Mantis and he gets hit in the back 
similar spot to where he was shot and it injures damages his battery pack and he's on the ground and he starts crying help me and which is just a very mirroring when he was shot and crippled and it's um and that of course he then tries to sue the city and the police department because he's like a policeman shot me and he loses and it's like and then he goes and becomes a vigilante and it's just this really interesting like oh this person was on the other side until it happened to them and we kind of see this all the time from everything from you know uh people saying they had it coming because they whatever you know they were on drugs or whatever to um people crying for vaccine in the hospitals for COVID-19 when they refused it and and believed all these conspiracy theories and then begging for it when it's too late like you know it's really closing your eyes to the world around you is dangerous and you know not accepting reality is dangerous and this this they chose to use what appears to be a very goofy superhero concept to, to say, just kidding, we're sneaking all of this social commentary and realism into your show. Uh, and, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, let's talk a bit now about what happened afterward. So Sam Raimi and Sam Ham wrote the script. It was filmed. It was deemed successful. And Fox bought it for uh for a series well fox demanded retooling and so when the series came while there were some surface issues dealing with race uh the nearly the entire black cast was fired or rather not rehired uh carl lumbly was kept as the lead and pretty much everybody else was replaced with white characters and uh at which point before premiering when it was in production, Sam Raimi and Sam Hamm said, we are, I refuse. I'm not working on this anymore. It's not what we made. It's not what the purpose we made. We don't want to do it. Take our names off it. Fox didn't take their names off it. So they still are listed because they wanted that name recognition. They're still listed as uh, producers on the series, despite refusing to have anything to do with it. So the series, and I watched the series all the way through, it is still, I think, a, a, a decent, it's a decent sci-fi series. It's a lot of fun tries to touch on some things a little bit but i mean it was hampered from the get-go uh whereas this film which is what heavily separates the 1994 original film this from the the pilot film quote unquote which operates as the intro to the series they really really did their best to cut out any sort of potentially problematic uh content that that would hit their uh their white audiences wrong so i i i desperately want some boutique um distributor or something to pick up this original film and and the series too but especially this film and get a new release of it out because the lengths you have to go to to get it are ridiculous there is one copy that seems to be floating around online a lot it's on youtube and things of this uh that is incredibly poor quality it's actually if, if you watch it, just watch it on your phone then, because if you try and watch it on anything bigger than your phone screen, it's, and even then it's just really poor quality. Um, so get the Italian copy, get the Italian copy and show people that we in the, in the States here want to, want to see it. Uh, and also I think it has, as I said, feels like Batman returns vibe energy. Also very much Sam Raimi. Um, it's the, not in the wild directing, but in the way he paces the plot, 
the choices he makes with the superhero elements. Um, there's this funky scene, one of the first Mantis fights we see after the opening, where he's lowered from on a on like a harness from his flying car and is just statically hanging in the air, firing his like paralyzing darts. Um at people at villains who are running around after trying to rob a bunch of people with a traffic jam. And it's just a very strange imagery. It's just such a Sam Raimi moment because I don't really see it anywhere else. There are some classic Raimi film cheats. Like one that stood out for me was um, they're, they need to film Mantis, like making a superhuman leap. Leap, and yes, onto just, the overpass. He, he yeah, gets ready to jump, and then you don't actually see him jump. The camera just pans, and he's up there. I was like, actually, it yeah. was really smooth, and only Raimi knew how to pull that stuff off. Yeah, it's interesting because I wonder how closely he worked with production because you know he didn't direct it, but like you said, that that caught me too. I was like, that is such he's that got is such a smart move. With it. Yes, um, and and it just <laughs> you know. I, and again, I would love Mantis to be brought into some larger comic universe. You know, the property's out there, guys. Get your hands on it. It's actually a really cool property. So uh, we've talked a lot in this episode, in our last episode, in this pairing about Black superheroes. Um, I want to give a shout out to, to DC Comics has relaunched their Milestone series, which is uh, their 90s, I think it was like 93 to 97-ish series, um, which consisted of great titles that were uh, uh, black creators making black comics for everyone, not just for black people, obviously, but they, they were from a more genuine perspective. Uh, Blood Syndicate, Hardware, and Icon were some of my favorites, and those were relaunched recently. Check those out. In fact, I think they're on sale if you, if you get them on Kindle as well. Uh, those are great places to find unique perspectives and comic books we always say that so many people say uh when say a comic character is cast as a different uh ethnicity actor like well why don't you make your own heroes well hey they've done it and it's great go read it like don't don't sleep on these things and i think these two films sort of pair perfectly with uh that kind of stuff and uh with with you know basically read material, watch material, consume material from creators of color because it only improves our perspective on the world. Plus, they're just fucking cool. They're really great. Um, uh, you know, people of all colors make great content. So go out there and find it. This has been uh, the Diversity Super Hires pairing of Colton Classic Podcast. I want to thank our guests, but also thank you, the listener, for making uh, it possible that we do this. And uh, please share us with your friends. Let us know if you uh, have a recommendation. If you have any hate mail, send it to Tad, care of Colton Classic Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast. We post multiple times every day. You can see what we're up to. And go ahead and leave us a positive review and as many stars as they let you give wherever you get your podcast so others can find us. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with another pairing on Colton Classic Podcast. To play us out, as always, is the Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights 
privileges and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.